Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. James H. Brown, title sponsor of Inside Sports, Trent Brown, double E legend. He joins us occasionally throughout the season. He is always fun to talk to. So uh, here's what we have coming up this week. I'll just quickly plant this seed in your head. I know you're probably not taking notes at home, but maybe you'll be thinking like, oh, yeah, that's what I got to listen to tonight. Tomorrow we got the hockey game. Oilers in Abbotsford to play the Canucks preseason action. Six o'clock face-off show game at eight. I regret to inform my loyal 14 listeners that there will not be an inside sports on Thursday. I am being preempted for coverage of uh, the UCP leadership. I don't know if it's a debate. I don't know if it's a form. I don't know if they're picking the leader. I don't know if it's an interview with the leader. I don't know. They just told me, don't do a show Thursday. We're doing something with the uh, UCP leadership. So that's that. Uh, Friday, did I miss a day? No, today's Tuesday. Uh, Friday, we got an Oilers game, 5.30 face-off show, game at 7. Saturday, we got an Elks game. They are at Winnipeg, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff, game at 5. It is, uh, I, I mean, look, we knew the Elks playoff hopes were, were hanging by a thread. Then that thread has almost been completely severed now. The uh, magic number for them to be eliminated is 1. I mean, they were going to have to outplay Saskatchewan by 3 wins uh, anyway down the stretch but uh, even though Saskatchewan lost to Winnipeg you know what happened to the Elks on Saturday in quite I am going my opinion uh, my opinion and for uh, that game I went to the first half of the game it was a beautiful afternoon by the way and the Elks had the lead at halftime a bit of an an, an uneven game but I I think full marks for having the the lead at the halftime they they probably uh in the first half, made fewer mistakes than the Alouettes, who committed a couple of costly penalties. I mean, they had a roughing the passer that negated an interception. They committed offensive pass interference that negated one of their own touchdowns. They fumbled a couple times. And the Elks certainly weren't playing a clean game, as they have struggled to do most of the season. But they had the lead at the half. So I was uh, I was at the game for the first half, then went to the station because I was hosting the Oilers broadcast. That was the game against Winnipeg on Saturday. So heard uh, the third quarter on the radio and then kind of watched the fourth quarter as I was getting some things, um, getting some things ready for, uh, for the hockey broadcast. That interception return by the Alouettes is, I, I, I'm going to I guess I don't put it exactly in the same category but I think it is it is similar to me because of how unexpected and um, and just I mean deflate I, I was I was saying deflating that's an, an understatement like it just just crushing just like tear your heart out of your chest and punch you in the stomach with it like I compare that with the Milt Stegall touchdown in two thousand six. I, I, I really do. That was a game they had the lead. You know, uh, Winnipeg's 100 yards from the end zone. They throw up this Hail Mary, Stiegel. You know, that was the last play of the game. So I, that was that was the last play of the game. So I, 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 not a direct comparison, but just that sinking feeling as you're watching the other team score this unlikely touchdown. Now, the Elks had opportunities on a couple of drives to tie the game after that and did not execute nearly well enough and uh, and didn't 
uh, I, I think, didn't play call well enough, which I'm going to ask Blake Dermott about in about 60 seconds because he and I often discuss play calling, and he's taught me a lot of lessons about it, but I think it's going to be relevant to bring up. But just that they're they're on they they get to the five and yes there are nine minutes left but Montreal hasn't been moving the ball now much since the middle of the second quarter and I'm thinking they're going to get a touchdown and they're going to be up eight and Montreal is not moving the ball and not only is the pass deflected it drops perfectly into the arms of a of another oncoming rusher who gets it in stride. Usually when those are battered up in the air, they're not intercepted. And usually if they are, they're grabbed by someone who's off balance and falls to the ground and can't get a return. Um, as, as flawed as the Elks are this year, and then they are flawed, we've talked about it to death, um, just everything on that play that worked to go against them, and then uh, they lose the football game. Blake Dermott uh, is uh, on the line. And Blake, like that's... I compare it to the to the Stiegel touchdown again, slightly different circumstances, but I, I was watching the guy Beverett run to the end zone, and I had that same thinking feeling, sinking feeling. I was thinking to myself, "Are you kidding me? This is how." I mean, with the Stiegel play, it was the last play, and against Montreal, I thought, "Now we're probably going to lose." Just watching that unfold and thinking, "How could it go this wrong so quickly?" You know, I, I remember it and, and probably did the same thing, uh, that Stiegel play. Um, I was doing that game, and uh, I can't remember who I was doing it for, though. I could have been doing it for the Bombers. I could have been doing it for Chad, but I remember that game. And I remember how the two players from the Edmonton team ran into each other at the end, and Stiegel caught that ball, and it was thrown from the – three-yard line or whatever the heck it was thrown from and and you're you're thinking just drop everybody back to 25 yards and 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 uh Campbell Rick Campbell was the defensive coordinator and the grief that he took from that play and 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 again you know coaches put players in positions to make plays it's up to the players to make the plays I never saw Coach. I never saw Rick Campbell miss a tackle in my life, and and one of the things that I, I and, and but again sometimes as you you know brought up uh, brought up the point where after they throw the interception they get the ball down again on the two yard line and call a run play on third down and get stuffed, and so they had opportunities, and and again when it comes to play calling I I, I always I always point to. The 2016 Super Bowl, when Marshawn Lynch had been running wild against the uh, the, uh, the uh, New England Patriots, my team, I was at that game. I saw I saw this thing going badly, and they they line up with 30 seconds to go or whatever it was, and they bring in the big heavy guys, and everybody in the place knows it's going to Marshawn Lynch from the two yard line, and they know that uh, Seattle's going to win that game and they decide to be a little tricky and throw a ball and Butler intercepts it on the one right on the one inch line and the game is over and the Patriots win. And so, so, and, and, and everything about that call is, is very much like what happened in Edmonton. You know, they, uh, on the weekend, they, they set the play up, they bring the big guys in. They think, okay, that everybody knows they're going to be running the ball. They're not going to have the proper coverage guys. You're not going to have the guys and you outthink yourself. And when and, and so when I look at this game, this last game where 
where the Elks had uh, 24,000 people in the stands, one of the largest crowds they've had this year. They had the ball for uh, four to four to five minutes longer than the other team. They had more first downs. They had all these things. That, uh, net yardage was about 100 yards more than the other team. Where have we heard this before? This has happened to this club so many times. And I got a text as the game ended from a good friend of mine, teammate of mine, on the wall of honor, Rod Connup, and he said, I don't know where they go from this. I think this team is just cursed. Because how many times have they lost these kinds of games when they've been in the situation to win? And this was the perfect the perfect position for them to be in they were they had led at halftime first time all year they they uh, you know didn't do anything in the second half didn't score a point uh but still had opportunities to win that game yet they found ways to lose and and i i this is i i, I know people won't believe me when i say this reed and, and you may not either but this is too good a team to have had this happen to them so many times this year. This is it. I was talking with Jake Suresna at, at a dinner uh, a week and a half ago, and I said, realistically, realistically, this team should have had at least three more wins than they have right now. And now pile on this other one. This is just, I, I can't explain it. You've gone through the scenario of what happened on the interception for the, the pick six from the uh, you know 105 yard. How do you explain that? And then again, later in the, the, the last drive, they get thrown an interception through the hands of a receiver. It's like it's like they have found every possible way to lose a game this year. So when they come out next year, in, in next year's season, they are not going to have seen. It's going to be like I have seen it all. There's going to be anything that anybody can do against them because. Because there's, they've seen everything, every possible way to lose a game this year, and it's so frustrating from a fan, from a somebody doing the games, from a player in the locker room, from a coach on the field. Because as I said before, I've never seen Coach Jones miss a tackle. I've never seen they they put players in positions to be successful, and and it's the players' actions, decisions that determine the game. And uh, the the Elks have struggled with that this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just double checked, and, and I and I know you were just sort of rounding off, but I want to give the exact numbers. They outgained Montreal by 80 yards. That's a decent yeah. total, and they and they had it four and a half minutes more time of possession. So usually those yeah. two things add up to a win, and and they were winning the turnover battle until the, until the fourth quarter when yeah, they I know, I know. When they they when they gave it away. Um, yeah, I. It, and I, I feel, and maybe you're going to disagree with me. I, like I, I don't feel I'm under any illusions here. Like I, I don't think that it is, it is a good team. Um, I, I think there are still some serious holes in the lineup. I, I think that Jones and company have brought in some good players, like Salisbury, the returner, like Brown, the uh, running back, like Mitchell, the the receiver. Um, you know, and I know he's made some significant trades to, to with varying degrees of success. But yeah, the the three games that are going to stick with me. Um, you know, they were they were both home games against Saskatchewan. They were leading in the fourth quarter. One game by one point, one game by two points. And then this game against Montreal, they were leading in the fourth quarter by a point. And you lost all three. And I know if you're leading by only a point or two, probably there's some analytics where saying, well, your odds of winning are you know only 53%, and the other team still has a 47%. But... They, they weren't even 50-50 those games. I guess they pulled that one out against the Riders. Hamilton handed them that win on the fumble. But 
I, I, I mean, another couple wins, and then at least they're maybe in the playoffs, and then at least they get a game of playoff experience. But they just cannot finish, and they're they're either the team that makes the big mistake or doesn't make the big play. Right, and 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 throw in two games uh, as you mentioned uh, where they were leading against Calgary um, late in the game, and one of those games I thought that they had a chance to win. That's where I come up with the four number, but. But having said all of those things, okay, uh, they have three games to go. They have the Bombers, Argos, and Lions, and uh, and and the Rough Riders have the Tiger Cats, the Stamps, and Stamps. Um, neither one of them has a walk in the park. <clears throat> but if if the Elks were to win the last three, okay, well, we're, I'm not going to bet my house on my mortgage or any of that kind of stuff. But if they did, and the the uh, Rough Riders lost all three. Um, the officers still have an opportunity to be in the playoffs. Am I not? Uh, I think I'm correct in saying yeah. that. Yeah, and, depending and on how Hamilton did. That, yes. Yeah. Yes. And the thing is, is that the uh, the Elks have a better record since July 4th than the Rough Riders do. They have one more win than, than the Rough Riders do. So the the reality of this happening is is still there. It's just that. This is a team that is making it has made it so difficult on themselves all year. And and you're right, they've made some. I, I think there's there's parts of this game, parts of this team that have um, um, that you didn't mention that are that are improved and are better. I think that play of Taylor Cornelius uh, has has been uh, significant, significantly better than what it was last year. Um, I think they the the Elks have run into un unfathomable um, sorry uh, uh, injuries to specific positions uh, you know, like Lawler uh, comes back in and gets hurt with the shoulder right away and and uh, and and made a good impact when he was there uh, and they've had to play through significant injuries and in, especially in the middle linebacker position defensive uh, position um, but there's some bright lights Jake Serez another two sacks on the weekend and uh, you know this is a guy that is playing at, at, at a high level and it should be a CFL all are based on the amount of games that he's played and the number of sacks that he has. Um, and, and you're right. Uh, we, the running back position has been solidified with, with bringing in Brown. Uh, and I think that they've got some depth at, at the receiver position we didn't have before. But I'm not kidding anybody or myself or you uh, by saying that and agreeing with you and that they have a lot of holes to fill. But this is a team that is a better team now. The difference between this team, talking with Dave Campbell uh, earlier today, the difference between this team and last year's team was last year's team was rats leaving a sinking ship, uh, including the quarterback that they lost to, who would remain nameless. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 I they, last year's team, nobody wanted to be around. Everybody from top of the organization down was critical of everybody. But this year's team, when you talk to these guys, when you talk to the coaching staff, and you talk to everybody around it, they're building towards something. Yeah, they got a long ways to go, but this is not the same team that it was last year. This is a team that I believe, and I said this before, that with three games to go by the end of the year, this is a team that a lot of teams don't want to play. Um, because uh, because this is going to be a team that is trending in the right way. Now, it may have happened eight games too late, but that means that, that the good news is, is that it's going to be happening early for next season. And uh, and we knew that Chris Jones was in, uh, in trouble coming in here with thinking that, that if anybody thought that he was going to be a great cup-bound team this year, that wasn't going to happen. But next year is, is the target. 
Well, yeah, hopefully to be uh, to, to to be more competitive because because it is tough. And and I I talked about this on uh, one of my shows several weeks ago. This is the worst it's been for for CFL and Edmonton basically since the early '60s. Uh, I mean, they missed the playoffs four years in a row from '62 to '65, and never won more than six games in a season. They won four last year. I mean, we'll see how many they win here. Uh, they won three last year. They've won four now. Maybe they'll get to five. Uh, we'll see. It's just, it's tough because I, I, there's a lot of negativity. There have obviously been some off-field things that have upset fans. I don't think that those have translated to the performance on the field. And now I, I've I've had some buddies messaging, messaging me, well, Chris Jones is done. He's going to quit or he's going to get fired. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's first of all he's not going to get fired because they want him to turn it around and i don't know where chris jones is thinking about going uh i mean he's he's got everything he wants here in edmonton what was chris jones's record the first year that he came to edmonton and back in like 2013 2014 so, okay, so win? no no that was saskatchewan he had they went 12 and 6 his first year here and then they went 14 and 4 and then he left for Saskatchewan. And his first year in Saskatchewan, uh, I'm just double checking. I believe they were five and thirteen. Okay. Uh, first year in Saskatchewan, they were five and thirteen. Then they were ten and eight. Then they were twelve and six. Then he left to Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. So so he has a, a, a really strong. He has a strong record of being able to build something. And and I believe that this was. Uh, think about what he had uh, when he went to Saskatchewan. He didn't, he didn't even have a quarterback then. Um, and uh, and he was in a situation this year where here's Taylor Cornelius, number three on the depth chart, and he didn't play the first four games. And now he's he's proven to him uh, to everybody in the organization that he is a is somebody that now he may never be somebody that they're going to win a great cup with, but he's certainly somebody that can get them from a four to five win season to maybe a ten win season. And uh, and that's why they have uh, that's why they have young people in their stable at that position. That's why he's brought here to, to uh, Chris Jones was brought here to, to to try to build up all the other positions around him because it couldn't it, it can't just be one position to to, um, uh, to be able to win a great cup. You've got to have the, all of the positions covered across the board. And right now they're maybe maybe 50% right now. Like there's a lot of holes, as you mentioned, to fill. And, and I think that he, if, if anybody can do it, this is a guy. And if people think this isn't the guy, then there's nobody that, that, that's going to be able to do this. Like we just, the tough, toughest thing is, you mentioned, it's the 60s, the early 60s. This is a team that went, I don't know, I, and I'm trying to remember because I was part of it, but it was like 34 years in a row without missing the playoffs. It's like a, maybe it's even longer than that. Maybe it's 36 years, but that's a, a major uh, uh, professional league record in all of the sports in North America. Like nobody has made the playoffs longer and, and more consistently than the, the Edmonton football team. Um, but of course, you know, things come and go and that came and went. And so now they got to start a new thing. So um, it's, it, we got used to, and we're spoiled as sports fans to seeing this team be competitive and successful. And, and, you know, uh, Winnipeg didn't win a great cup since the early 90s before they won two or three years ago. So there's, there's an idea 30 years before they won a great cup. Well, Edmonton hasn't been that far away from it, and they're not going to be that far removed from it before it happens again. Blake, always appreciate your perspective. Uh, thanks for uh, hopping on tonight. Uh, hope I get to see you here around. Uh, well, I got to miss the game on the 15th because we got hockey, but uh, hopefully I'll see you soon, man. Hope you're doing well. 
I'm doing well, and I will be at that game on the 15th. <laughs> so, <laughs> right on. That is uh, Blake Dermott breaking down uh, another tough loss for uh, the Elks and uh, where he thinks the team might uh, be headed here over the next year or two. It's Inside Sports on Chet. NHL preseason tonight, third period. Sabres lead the Hurricanes 3-2 after two. Islanders up 2-1 on the Flyers after two as well. Senators leading the Canadians 4-2 after the first period. It is the Blues with a 2-0 lead on the uh, Minnesota Wild. Jake Neighbors, former Oil King, has scored in that game. Uh, the Sharks played a German club team earlier and won the game 3-1. Oilers tomorrow. We've got uh, Craig Morgan with a little bit on the uh, Coyotes and a possible destination for Jacob Chickering when we get back.